by the hoary hosts of Hogoth. This is Podcast Sans Frontiers, a Doctor Strange audio experience. Here, we reveal the narrative, bewitch the characters, reclaim the themes, using the Book of Vishanti, of course, and finally face down the mystical behemoth that is Doctor Strange. Things just got out of hand. I'm Manu, also known as Manuclear Bomb. Hi, I'm Brian. Today's episode is Break the Rules and Become the Hero, our reaction episode to Sam Raimi's MCU flick, 2022's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But first, our spoiler warning for this episode. After some brief non-spoiler reaction up top, we are going full spoilers in our discussion section on Doctor Strange 2. And also, it's a new Marvel movie, so all the movies and shows prior to this point may be mentioned, and we may even talk a little bit about the Thor Love and Thunder trailer, so just know that will all be in the spoiler section after a musical break. So, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is the 28th MCU film, directed by Sam Raimi and written by Michael Waldron, who wrote Loki as well. It stars Benedict Cumberbatch, Liz Olsen, Shuatel Elijafor, Benedict Wong, Sochi Gomez, and Rachel McAdams. There's some more casting that we'll discuss a little more in our spoiler section. The score was done by Danny Elfman, who is a long... Yeah, a long-time Raimi regular, including his Spider-Man films, Darkman, A Simple Plan, etc. He also did The Simpsons theme, of course, which means a lot to me. If you've seen video from Coachella, I believe, uh, you can see Danny Elfman performing The Simpsons theme without a shirt and rocking on the guitar. It's a really cool video. I had no idea he looked like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, The film was originally meant to be directed by Scott Derrickson, but he left over creative differences in around January 2020, so right before the pandemic. Uh, This film was also scheduled to come out prior to the third Spider-Man movie and also possibly prior to WandaVision. But due to COVID and the filming schedule and various rewriting, um, the whole that trio of properties was kind of shuffled around, but Doctor Strange was actually supposed to be the first of those three properties to air. Which explains the reshooting, I think. That- mm-hmm. And I think we can probably speculate a little more maybe about why that is or how things hold up uh, later in our spoiler section. But um, instead of me going first, how about you? What are your just your general non-spoiler reactions to I, this movie? I kind of hate doing those. I don't really know what to say, but my general non-spoiler reactions were I liked it. My my basic reaction was it was more of a Sam Raimi movie than I feared. Like it was identifiably directed by Sam Raimi, which is good to me. Mm-hmm. I don't really um, have much else to say that because I, I I don't really like the non like I don't really know how to talk about movies non spoilery. Yeah, no. Uh, the reason I do this is something I picked up sure. from other pods. Is yeah, I, I, it's a, a good of- idea to do, but I feel like I don't I don't, I never know what to say because I'm always like. That's how you get. That's how you get into the commercial territory. Where it's just like the best Marvel movie yet. Okay. Yeah, I I got you. Um, I just think uh, specifically with COVID, a lot of people might not be willing to go to movies or want to mm. be very sure they want to go. Um, so I just like to at least say, hey, we liked it. Hey, we didn't like it. Um, up top. Uh, for me myself, I liked it quite a bit, and I mm-hmm. do think. A lot of that is just the Raimi stuff in it. Um, if you've heard, you know, the Winter Soldier episode I just did, or even our No Way Home episode a little while back, um, kind of growing tired of the MCU uh, formula, at least, or at least a lot of these are samey and not visually interesting. Yeah. And I don't think this movie was either of those things. Well, the, the camera moves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visual style is very prominent in a way. 
Like, I know people like to say, like, James Gunn and Taika Waititi got their stamp on their movies. And I do think Gunn especially kind of did. But they still felt and looked like Marvel movies, just with more colors um, and a slightly more interesting soundscape. But I feel like the actual kinetic camera um, really just comes through in Raimi's movie more so than any previous MCU film. I guess at this point, uh, we we just need to go into the spoiler section. So yeah, we'll we'll hear you after this excerpt from Ultimate Marvel versus Capcom. So to start off our discussion, let's just discuss the raminess of it all, because I think that's generally where we both found the most enjoyment out of this film. Uh, why don't you go ahead and go first and feel free to just pick off anything I have listed here as well. Uh, well, I, I love, um, like I said, just the camera stuff, moving the camera around. There's a, there's a specific point when Wanda is uh, hunting her alternate universe self where it's like the, a POV shot from behind a staircase that I was giggling at. I was like, yeah, that's a Sam Raimi shot. There's just a bunch of camera stuff. There's like superimposed reaction shots, the circle wipe, all the all the Raimi hallmarks, all the weird camera stuff. I mean, it's not it's not like Berserk Raimi. It's not like Darkman where he's like flying up somebody's nostrils with the with the camera or doing the uh, the, the the single greatest Sam Raimi shot of all time, which is um, when Liam Neeson won't, and he really wants that elephant in Darkman, and the uh, <laughs> camera like flies into his eyeball, goes through all the synapses of his brain, which then all explode, and then zoom back out to Liam Neeson losing his mind while the world is on fire. It's just like the, the craziest shot. We don't do that, but by the standards of a modern blockbuster, it's pretty goofy and kinetic. Um, a lot of jump scares, which I feel like almost like it's so funny that people are like offended. Like I'm offended by that. That's not the right word, but like, look out! It's really scary. It's like okay, like I, I guess I guess you don't want to take some some children shouldn't see this movie, but like it's the weirdest thing to me to see people people I know who are parents who are like I can't take my kids to this, and it's like I know your kid. Your kid would love blood and guts. Like what are you talking about? Kids love yeah. that stuff. Kids love like again. I'm the Jurassic. Park. I I was the Jurassic Park generation. I saw the movie in theaters three times, and I watched it on VHS an un- uncountable amount, like four thousand times. It's the only VHS I've ever seen that actually stopped working because it was so worn out. And like you know what I love most about the movies? There's a guy who gets eaten by a dinosaur, and then another guy gets his arm ripped off by a dinosaur, and a guy gets spit on and killed by a di- like that's the shit I loved, and like. This movie's not like there's some brutal kills in, it, but it's not like 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 uh, 
some kind of like uh, Eli Roth movie or anything. It's not like it's insanely bloody or like gory. It's just like people get blown up. I don't know. It's it's there's that there's that tweet a few days ago that really it's the same reason people say like I, we both love. I mean, obviously you love Winter Soldier. It's like that's a good movie. It's not like a, actually a political thriller. It's just a Marvel movie that kind of acts like one sometimes. And anytime there's like any deviation from the formula, people who only watch these movies freak out. They're like, what are they doing? They've ruined the for-. like. It's it's really weird. It's a weird reaction to have. You should en- embrace this dumb bullshit that Sam Raimi does. I love it. And he also is a good choice. There's a specific character, in case we're going to hold off on that. I'm really glad that Raimi got to do because it made me realize that Raimi should have been doing these movies all along because nobody is better at making a, a, a putting a little freak on on, a, on screen than than Sam Raimi. If you want to okay. get a weird, yeah, we're, you know, get we're going to hold off on, on the Black Bolt talk because I know that's exactly who you're referring to. Oh, I was actually but. talking about Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking uh, he should, he should, no, Raimi should have done an X Men movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody can be better been. doing making a movie about a bunch of weird freaks than Sam Raimi. Yeah, so uh, I think uh, in terms of the visual style, like like you said, it's mostly a Raimi movie, but uh, like it starts out fairly standard, even like that opening uh, sequence with Defender Strange, as he's being called, and America trying to get the Book of Ashanti, um, something that comes up again at the end, but they kind of put you in media res with that at the beginning. Like all of that, even with like the weird multiversal plane that they're on like it all still looks and feels like a marvel movie and then about like 10 minutes in when they go to christine's wedding um there is a shot where um the camera whips from uh benedict and michael stuhlbarg to christina or christine sorry and the camera is like it's not quite a dutch angle but it's not level either um and that's like the first time like oh that's a raimi shot i've never seen a camera move like that in a marvel movie specifically um it's almost Kind of like uh, what Kojima does in MGS5, where he never has cuts. So the camera's just kind of whipping around from face to face. Well, this um, was, I, uh, I think Bob Morosky edited this, who's his hmm. longtime editor. So, yeah, definitely. They let him do Sam Raimi shit more than I was fearing, like I said. So it was nice. Yeah. And uh, in terms of, like, the violence and the horror, like... It's funny because we, I think we think of horror as has to be scary, where it can just be campy as well, and that's you know what uh, Evil Dead and Army of Darkness are more to me than like I don't know The Exorcist or something. Because um, it's very obvious he's using horror techniques and horror elements, and there are like jump scares, but it's usually a jump square, and then like oh, actually everything's all right. Oh, it was actually a friend. It wasn't like a jump scare, and then someone gets their like gut spilled out or something like that. Yeah. Um. So it was all uh, even in my Winter Soldier episode. It just I mentioned all MCU movies are action comedies. Mm-hmm. Um. There's you know, sometimes more comedy than less, like Winter Soldier's kind of light on the comedic, um, but that doesn't make it a political thriller. It is a Captain America movie. It is an Avengers movie that just so happens to borrow from Three Days of the Condor and The Born Identity. Um, that's what it's doing. And that beats up a helicopter ki- at one point. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of what this movie is, because I think there is, on top of just the horror vibes that Raimi brings to the way he shoots certain things, there is like you know other horror movies reference like the way yeah. uh, Wanda's walking around with blood on her face is very much Carrie. Um, she even has a limp like Jack does in The Shining. Like there's these little things and they're not trying to like be it. 
Um, I hate Easter egg culture because I feel like the minute it shows up in a Vanity Fair article, it feels like redundant and dumb that we're talking about this. But just watching it as a movie, it's like, oh, yeah, I see what Raimi is doing here. Um, He's pulling in all sorts of horror tropes to feed into this version of Wanda. That makes sense. That's great. Um, That doesn't all of a sudden make it like one of the scariest movies ever. Um, All time. Children cannot watch it. Like, come on, people. And I saw it in an opening day theater with a full crowd. And the reaction for the most part was like hooting and hollering at stuff. Like when even when gnarly stuff was happening uh, and there's a fair amount of gnarly stuff, at least for Marvel here. um, People were just like laughing and like hooting like they were enjoying it. It was not like, (gasps) you know, people like absolutely scared about bullshit like that. The violence to me, like it's. Almost akin to like the Lord of the Rings to me because it's a PG 13 movie, mm. but you got Aragorn chopping off heads and orc blood squirting out. Like it's not hiding what it is, but it's also stylized in a way that it's not like if I went and beheaded my next door neighbor, like it, it wouldn't look like that, you know? Um, it and it's like, oh, it's almost like Kill Bill, like where it's like so stylized that it almost breaks credulity. That's kind of how I view the violence basically in any comic book movie. Um, but I think especially here. So I think they're using horror techniques and framing and camera work, but it is not itself a horror movie. It is like all Marvel movies, an action comedy. Mm. So um, I think the first thing I want to talk about before we even get to the titular character is Wanda, because in terms of the narrative discourses about this movie, a lot of them are kind of focused on Wanda and what they did with her character. Um, I'll throw out a caveat or warning here that obviously we're two dudes um, and we're going to talk about a woman character who a lot of people are a big fan of, especially after WandaVision was probably well, the most successful. That's the weird thing Go- to me is that people are people are acting like like I we've all loved Wanda for years. We've all you, you people have nobody you didn't give a shit about Wanda, either of those characters until WandaVision. Like you didn't. Sorry. Very few people did. They like I, I saw people talking about it. And now it's all of a sudden I can't believe they 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 ruined this beloved character that we've all liked for we've all known who she was for, for you know uh, not 10 months. The other thing that's weird about that is I, that's the funniest one I saw was I can't believe they made Scarlet Witch a villain. Like, oh man, I can't believe that they did that. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's one that's like actually making her a villain is actually more true to her yeah. uh, comic origin than anything. Um, for people who are not familiar, and you absolutely do not have to know Marvel Comics, but she was introduced as uh, in the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants at first before she was eventually brought in as an Avenger by Cap. Um, but then she's also like bent reality in several, uh, several different events going back to the eighties with her like miniseries with vision, which is kind of the basis for WandaVision house of M is like Mm -hmm. probably one of the biggest events in the Marvel canon where she basically disappeared, um, is house of M the one where she disappeared or there's one where she rewrote reality. I think that's how that's house of M. Yeah. She, she rewrites reality, basically kills off. 75% 75% of all the mutant characters in the, in the canon. Yeah, so it went from multi-million uh, number of mutants on the planet or in the galaxy, and then after she said no more mutants, um, they were down to, I think, 192, or like some like very specific number like that. Um, even now in like the Jonathan Hickman era of X-Men comics, um, they try to bring in all the Marvel continuity for the X-Men, and they talk about major 
like catastrophic events. And the Wanda Maximoff event is specifically listed all the time as one of the biggest moments in mutant history. So um, she has she is someone that's often been villainous. And I think there is stuff in WandaVision um, that like hints towards it. I actually kind of wish in retrospect that WandaVision went a little harder on her villainy. Um, but I think like kind of the way Marvel has this like last act problem yeah. where all the last acts are kind of cookie cutter. So when you got to the last episode of WandaVision, it just turned into her and um, Catherine yeah. Han flying through the sky and shooting lasers at each other. Um, and there's no real moral stakes other because you, you, I guess you kind of want Wanda to defeat Agatha, but at the same time, Wanda's the one who enslaved an entire town. Yeah. Uh, and that was not morally dealt with uh, at no. all in the show. Um, and I don't think she needs to, quote unquote, be punished for it. It just, you it, you need to talk about it. You need to work through it. And I was kind of at the beginning of this movie when Doctor Strange shows up. is like, oh, what happened at Westview? That's that's fine. You were doing what you had. Like, at first, I'd like, yeah, that's kind just of like, weird. They just kind of threw it aside. Like, ah, oh, whatever. Who cares? Yeah, so I'm glad that it actually turned out that she was the villain because I would have. That makes more sense to me that like that she would become a villain from there than, um, I, like kind of brushing off Westview. It's just oh, you did that. That was your mini series, but now we need you back on the lunchbox for the main movie stuff. Um, so I I actually kind of like her kind of going full OP villain. I feel like that's actually one of the more interesting things to do with that character. I think in terms of like the gender critique of it, I don't love necessarily tying it all to motherhood. I think we talked about this with the boss and MGS three, like she's a great character, but a lot of her femininity is just driven out of motherhood kind of. Um, and it's, it's less that like that's inherently bad. It's just very tropey. And, um, especially in it, you know, now when we have a much broader understanding of gender and that it's not necessarily binary, um, always, and that, you know, women don't need to have children to have value or to have valid feelings. Um, I think it's, it's a fair critique if you're someone yeah, who I like, think, I think it's, it's, it's lessened a little bit by the fact that she was already, in a, uh, like her, I, I think you, there, there's, I think that might be a broader critique of like her entire character is be, uh, being a traumatized woman, but it's not like, it, it, I think it would, I think that would be a little more pointed, maybe a little worse if, she had been like a normal character until she lost her children. And then she, then she went like, then she became like so traumatized and, and fucked up and, and like tragic. But yeah, I think her, I think her whole character arc has been like just losing people. So I think, I think that makes it a little less tropey, I suppose. Well, it's a different trope is what I would say. And I mm-hmm. think they do I actually kind of wish they had done a little more to really, Paint the fact that that she is. I mean, she she's, she basically has a Necronomicon. That's another Raimi thing too. They made the Darkhold look almost exactly like the Necronomicon. I loved it. But um, yeah, I think I think that could have worked a little better. But yeah, I, I don't. I, yeah, I guess I I don't know. I don't have enough the authority to really say if it's good or bad. But just in the in the broad sense, making her a villain, I think was is it's not a bad idea. Like, yeah. It's so it's and, so funny. Everyone like they, they talked up Marvel talked up how crazy like ah Civil Wars like had no basically had no effect whatsoever on anything that happened after it. Unlike the comic book Civil War, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing they didn't do. Like it shouldn't be that hard to improve on the comic book Civil War because it it kind of sucks. Like, that's the but it had, it had a lasting effect for a little bit. Yeah, um, but but you know, but the, making it. On one hand, like they deserve credit for giving Iron Man a, a, a 
vaguely human position, like a reasonable, like there is some reason behind his his position. And instead of comic book Civil War Iron Man, who j- just like loses his mind and becomes insane, Gestapo style Tony yeah, Stark, yeah, yeah, it just like straight up becomes a fascist for no like almost no reason. But like that also kind of takes away the stakes of it, like. At no point during yeah, that movie were you like, oh man, if they if they get Cap, he's going to be arrested forever. He's out of the movies. Like, no, that's not. I guess what I'm saying is I'm glad they made one of these movies where it's hero versus hero and like it's actually a villain. Villainous. Like, yeah, something bad is happening. Yeah. Um, no, and- Like, if, if Wanda won, bad shit was going to happen. So, uh, the, the other thing uh, with Wanda that I wanted to kind of talk about was um, I during the entire movie because they reveal to you like right up front like within 15 minutes of the movie like yeah. she reveals herself and she, like I was still expecting there to be a turn on that in the end um, like uh, like you know oh actually it was an evil Doctor Strange controlling her or some other wanderer was the Darkhold or whatever Mephisto yeah well, um, Mephisto you can go down. he's coming yeah but, and th- those are stuff <laughs> I actually want to talk about when we talk about what comes out of this movie later on to wrap this episode but so like the fact that they just kind of played it straight with that is actually kind of not ballsy but just I didn't expect that I still yeah. was expecting a recontextualization and I did want to mention like I think we go too far down with oh villains need to be relatable or have like this perfect um, reasoning or backstory to it you know they talk about with Killmonger and Thanos specifically um, sometimes it's just kind of good when someone like just goes batshit. Um, and then we can get some really gnarly and fun stuff. And you, I wasn't really thinking about it in the moment. I was just like, yeah, this is really cool that I'm glad that Wanda is just absolutely going bonkers here. Um, because a lot of cool storytelling and uh, visuals are coming out of it and it's letting Raimi do his thing. Well, you can, you can be, you can have a sympathetic villain. It's this ties in what I was, um, I think Sam Raimi is the only person who's made superhero movies. Who understands that? Like, this kind of ties in what I what I was saying too. It's it's not comic book villains are so arch and like crazy. It it makes more sense if if the villains are like unreasonable. Because like I don't think I don't think she she basically has the. Do- I mean, it's a little more brutal, but she doesn't have that different from the Doc Ock arc in Spider Man Two, where she she is she like she is pushed. She's beyond, corrupted by something, and yeah, and then she just kind of loses her shit. And like that's what Doc Ock does. I mean, I'd say that's what Goblin does. But Goblin, I think, I think the insinuation is that he is just kind of like that. Also, Norman, Norman, just, yeah, he's Norman, Norman's just kind of a psychopath, anyways. Um, he um, is an arms dealer, but also, yeah, I think like he also does go additionally crazy because of the Goblin serum. I think yeah, you're right. He goes Goblin mode. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I li- I just like that. I like it's 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 like a battle between. All these people are deranged. Like everyone, like that. Sam Raimi understands that. Like people who do this, like if if they were real people, they would all be like insane people. Mm-hmm. Except for Spider Man. Spider Man's the only one. Spider Man is the one pure, like heroic person that he he has in these movies, which makes him really stand out. Also, which he should because mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. Spider Man. Um, I don't. Know, I just really like that. I like that Sam Raimi seems to understand that. He seems to have that. Seems to be what he has fun with because I mean, Dark Man. Darkman's like an extreme version of it. Darkman is the hero of that story. Darkman is also a fucking psychopath. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's completely deranged. He is killing people in horrible ways. Like not there's Darkman is not like a heroic person. He 
basically isn't even a hero. I don't think he really saves anybody except for for Francis McDormand at the end of the movie. And like, yeah, it's Dark Man is not like a good pure person. Dark Man is is insane. Um, so that 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 really works for me. I really like that he's kind of continued that. Uh, maybe he'll continue it with a Dark Man sequel. I'm hoping. This will not yeah, be the he last. Get time another I, blank check for this. <laughs> That's that's uh, not the last time I will mention Darkman, but I just that's that's the one that came to my mind more more so than the Spider Man movies because this is not um, there's like body horror stuff in those also there's a sequence there's the famous sequence in Spider Man two where John Landis gets killed which is a good sequence we all like it <laughs> seeing John Landis get murdered yeah. uh, uh, speaking of uh, I think it's interesting I don't think we'll ever get the full story on this but when Scott Derrickson was. Yeah. Um, scheduled to direct this. I believe he was gunning for a story featuring Nightmare, uh, which is a... That's what I remember reading, yeah. A classic Doctor Strange villain. And I wonder how much of, like, the dream walking and even, like, the framing in the trailer when, uh, you know, Doctor Strange has a little monologue and then he says, I wake up and then the real nightmare begins. Like, I thought there was going to be a nightmare at some point in this story up until, you know, Wanda started going AWOL on everyone. Um, I think AWOL is the wrong word there, but yeah. uh, uh, bad shit on everyone is what I what I meant to say. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see like what was left over um, from perhaps the initial treatments of the script or where they thought. And again, that's also when it was slotted to be slotted to be before WandaVision specifically. Mm. Um, so there could have been like that would be an interesting. All, yeah, looking back, that would be an this interesting. all happens, and that leads her to do like go off on her own and create her own like you know pocket reality like i could actually see a through line from this movie into wandavision um even though the chronology is the other way because wandavision takes place three weeks after endgame they tell us so mm. um the timing on all these is starting to get goofy um now i don't think they really know um because uh you know shang chi uh ended with a benedict wong thing um that doesn't at all appear to matter here but carol danvers had long hair so it had to be a couple of years after there's just there's no clear timeline right now other than this happened after doctor or after spider-man and after wandavision i think yeah um, which is honestly fine because i don't think comic books do oh, not yeah, yeah, generally yeah. have like super it, there's always a little bit of like what's going on when I mean, that's the problem with having, like, three Batman comics going at the same time. It's like, how is he doing all this? But, you know, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I was, like, reading uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Spider-Man, Peter Parker, all at the same time. It's like, there's no way this much stuff happens to one dude. Yeah. Or maybe but that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the thing, though. It's, it's supposed to be... I, I don't think comic books generally have to hold to, like, really... Um, it should like, be a malleable canon. Um, they're a little timeless. I always think it's, and I think we've talked about this with Out Metal of Gear, time, not timeless. That's different. Yes. Um, just like Cap. Um, but like they, uh, at, the thing I want most is that the story I'm watching, that the story that's being currently told is good. Mm. Um, and if it like perfectly fits into every other thing, uh, that is less important to me. And that's how comic books have always been. Uh, like, you know, there's always these mini series or side issues or what Dr. Strange is doing in this is completely different from what he's doing in the Avengers title. And he might have like a completely different voice behind him because of who's writing them. Um, so there's always going to be a little bit incoherency. And I think that can be part of the charm of a, you know, a larger comic book canon to, you know, play with. Um, so that's why I'm like, I don't, 
we're going to talk about MCU implications at some point here, but I don't really care because the movie I got from Sam Raimi was a fun, enjoyable movie. And that's ultimately what mattered to me the most. Yeah. Less so did it pick up the threads of WandaVision in the best way possible. That's the um, worst. That's, a- that's the worst part of these. Like, and I know that that, like the, the, the idea was to do this United universe so they could do Avengers movies, which is, you know, that makes sense. But yeah, the worst thing is when people are like, Oh, you can't watch Thor Ragnarok. You got to watch these other two Thors and also all the Ant Man movies. It's like, no, you don't. You really they, don't. I, they sh- they should be able. To, you should just be able to watch one of these movies if you want. Like, yeah. you should not have to to tie into this much shit. I and honestly, uh, with like some of the stuff they did with Wanda, this probably makes it a lot easier to watch this movie on its own because mm-hmm. um, you don't really have to worry about anything else and. Even the best comic books generally will either have caption boxes or a quick catch-up or the previously on. Um, and most Marvel comics have just a title page that has mm-hmm. the writer, the editor, and like three paragraphs on what's happening in the story. Um, and most movies, they kind of give that to you. Um, even stuff like Civil War or Infinity War, which are obviously like big continuity uh, cruxes in the MCU, there's enough there that you can broadly catch up on um i showed my nieces and cousins the uh avengers 2012 before i showed them anything else and despite not seeing iron man or thor or captain america they're like okay we get this yeah we broadly know who these characters are just from pop culture osmosis um and then the story kind of gives you like two minutes with each character so you know kind of what their deal is and then they're off and most of the movies are like that i mean most I, comic but, books are like that like i i specifically mentioned batman before because a lot like most batman comics if they're just like an individual story, there's no indication of when they happen, like what's happened before, what's happened after. It doesn't matter. It's Batman. He's in Gotham. He's doing shit. That's all you need. Right. Um, and that's also like, we'll wrap up the Wanda stuff now and move on. But like, I get that people like stand these characters and like, you know, want them to be heroes or good guys or whatever. And, you know, I, I have characters I'm a fan of. I'm like the biggest Winter Soldier fan, probably the side of anyone and you know i love miss marvel but ultimately i i'm more concerned about like what the themes are like what Mm. the point of these stories are the tone um what the actual what happens to this fictional character matter less to me than like if that journey is rewarding if it means something if it says something like you know i i love game of thrones and basically all my favorite characters die by the end of that and that doesn't make me mad i don't care who lives or dies it's more like what what was the story here? What was the point of all this? And, you know, that's ultimately what I care about. So I know comic books are built for Stan culture, essentially, but ultimately, I, I just the story should be good uh, individually over the long haul, whatever it is. But um, I, I care about the stories more than I care about um, the character um, hitting the specific plot, plot beats or being the exact kind of hero or villain I want them to be. Um, but uh, speaking of that, uh, why don't we talk about well, the titular here? I, I would or say real ahead, quick, I think, I think Liz Olsen is very good in this movie. I think she deserves a lot of credit. Oh, yeah, she's for, great. Um, she's great. Uh, also, uh, spoiler, she is not dead. <laughs> yes, um, I, we're, we're going to talk about that because I, I have thoughts. But uh, I have. she definitely does the Doc Ock sacrifice yes. at the end. Um, like literally it's almost staged the same way. Like if she had said, I will not die a monster that would have both fit this movie and been the exact words that Doc Ock said, um, at the end of Spider-Man two. So, um, I don't believe she's dead. Uh, we'll, we'll circle back to that. Cause you know, about half an hour in, we should at least mention the, the titular hero, Dr. Strange. I mean, um, the movie doesn't I, care as much as that. I, I, I don't know. 
Um, I, I, I'm a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch as Strange. I've gotten um, very th- used to his voice. I hated it at first. It's just, I think it's more just, A, I think he's gotten better at it, but B, I think it just took my brain a while to really. If you've only seen him in Sherlock and like weird British pedophile roles that he <laughs> does, like in, uh, Atonement and stuff. Um, and, and he's, 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 now, he's one of the, Mamu. <laughs> manifestly one of the most British men in the world. Yeah, name, face, voice, all of it is just so British. He, like, it, he's a mountain of Britain, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, he is Britain in human form. Um, one thing I generally like what these movies do with Strange is that no one really likes him. Yeah. Um, and, like, and that like comes off like all the time, especially in his like first movie, but even like Tony. Um, yeah, I think Peter Parker is apparently the only guy that likes him. Because it's Peter it, Parker. It, it, yeah, yeah. Peter Parker kind of likes everyone, and I, I actually also like the the meta through line that uh, Raimi got to do the two Ditko characters that are super famous in the Marvel canon. Um, and I think those are two characters specifically more suited to Raimi's sensibilities mm-hmm. than, say, like a Captain America would be. Um, so I think that's just kind of neat. Uh, and um, so this Doctor Strange, we actually we we get four Doctor Stranges in this movie. Um, we have our normal 616 Doctor Strange. That's the one we've been with all this time. Um, the movie opens with Defender Strange, and it's being called Defender because that's an outfit he wore when he was part of a Defenders comic line. Um, those of you who only know the Netflix Defenders might not know that the original Defenders were Silver Surfer, the Incredible Hulk, um, and Doctor Strange, and I think it was Namor, maybe yeah, it was Namor. the fourth. Yep. So basically the four big heroes that they couldn't fit into the Avengers title, they basically made the Defenders. Um, so uh, he had an outfit very similar to that. And I, I like the like gray streaks with the ponytail and the weird... I mean, everything Doctor Strange wears is weird. There's no like normal outfit he has, but... Um, that's a good look. Um, we get um, the Sorcerer Supreme of Earth 838, who is dead by the time we get to Earth 38. That's the one the Illuminati killed, which we'll talk about very shortly. Clean shaven, uh, strange. Yeah. Yeah, very clean shaven. Well, I don't think we've seen him clean shaven. Uh, we saw him briefly at the beginning of his like origin, uh, clean shaven. But once he became strange, he had that beard. Um, so that that's fun. And then we also get the Sinister Strange, uh, which is like the dark, cold, corrupted version that shows up at the end of the trailers. I actually thought this was going to be the same Doctor Strange from his What If episode, because um, I yeah. think epi- episode four is a version of Doctor Strange that goes evil because he kept keeps fucking around with time. Um, so I thought it was going to be a crossover. And again, I'm kind of happy it's not. Um, they kind of maybe lent into that for the marketing, probably to just get people to up the what if viewership numbers. Um, but it's an entirely other evil Doctor Strange, which makes sense in the context of this. This one had been corrupted by the Darkhold, the same book that's corrupting Wanda, um, and gave that evil Doctor Strange a third eye on his forehead, um, one that our Doctor Strange will get by the end of this movie as well. Um, anything you want to say about Doctor Strange specifically? Yeah, I like, I mean, I like. I like that they seem to they seem to be insinuating that any animated alternate universe, um, those are animated universes. Like they don't, there's no crossover. Like maybe oh, if yeah, one of those characters was brought into a, a, the live action universe, they would become a live action character. But like it seems like they're insinuating that there are alternate universes that are that just look like that. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a fun touch. Um, also, yeah, if they, if they actually had brought over, I think that's why everyone was excited because if they had brought over the what if Dr. Strange, we would have just killed everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they made him like 
it, absurdly powerful. Like probably strong enough to just fight Wanda on his own and maybe beat her. Right. Yeah. Especially the way. That Although I, I don't know. That's the one problem with Wanda is that you don't really fight Wanda. Right. She's not. She you don't fight her in a physical sense like, in the same I, way. Right? I, I get that they have to have some kind of energy for her to use. But yeah. Like it's the thing. It's why the WandaVision thing was so disappointing. It's like she's not someone who she doesn't do energy manipulation. That's, you know, the, the catch all term for it. She doesn't shoot globs. She rewrites reality. That's a different kind of you can't fight that really. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, and yes, uh, strange kind of I mean, it's. It's hard to talk about him without talking about the Tony Stark role that he's basically being forced to fill. Yeah. Um, Because there are times where they're giving him... He has some good one-liners in this. Um, I specifically uh, think of the one where um, John Krasinski is introduced as Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four, and he's like, oh, didn't you guys chart in the 60s? But that is not, by the way. I've seen people being like, is that a reference to... Did the Fantastic Four exist in the MCU in the 60s? No, it's a Beatles joke. Shut up. (laughs) Yeah, and I think... uh, if you were the very opening of uh, the first Doctor Strange movie is him talking about his encyclopedic knowledge of 60s and 70s music. Yep. Um, so it's very it's it's very in line with his character, and I hate that everyone's like, "Oh, is this an Easter egg or a factoid?" It, no, it, it, it may very- be, it may be like an oblique joke, like Fantastic Four joke, but it's it's a Beatles joke first and foremost, mm-hmm. like the Fab Four, exactly. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I do like that he his, his sense of humor is. Tony is more like aggressively quippy, like he's looking for to do jokes. Where the the Doctor Strange joke style is more just like pissed off, kind of. I, that's that's a, a, a minor distinction, but it does help. Yeah, he he is scoffing at everything, whereas yes. like Tony's kind of trying to be funny. Um, and I think Tony and Peter have a little bit of crossover. They're not the exact same humor, but they're both kind of trying to be funny. Um, Peter's trying to be disarming because he only really does it when he's fighting bad guys. He's not like super funny. Out of costume per se. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah. He's not funny at all out of costume because he's a weird right. dork. He's a, he's a weird little dork. But um, part of his humor when talking to the villains is about disarming them and to kind of putting them off kilter. Like he, I think he's actually talked about that in one of his stories because um, people just get annoyed by him and he's able to win that way. That's why I Which, didn't you know, like. That's what I didn't like about the Garfield Spider-Man in his movies is that he was a he was too cool. Like we've, mm-hmm. people have said that before, but he was like a, a cool. I mean, part of it's like. No kid who looks like Andrew Garfield is going to be bullied in high school. Shut up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the thing that worked so well about Toby is like I'm not saying Toby McGuire is an ugly man, but he just kind of looked like a, it just kind of looks like some guy. I guess he looks like a dope. He yeah. just kind of looks like a dope, um, and that's like a, a 1940s dope specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, the Garfield Spider-Man, at least in his movies, he was like too cool and like he was too maybe. He's, Always cracking jokes like to people at school, and like this kid would be an inc- incredibly popular. Like, don't try and tell me that he's a weird, like some unlikable weird dork. Yeah, we're already ignoring the fact that he's an incredibly attractive, you know, like able-bodied fit man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you can't have him also have this like shining personality as Peter Parker. I don't know what else there is to say about Doctor Strange that's separate from the plot. Um, I do think that uh, the ending of this movie with Doctor Strange's zombified body is like one of the coolest things um, that that's happened in the MCU in a long time. Oh, I when he just is doing Darkman voice, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, everyone who's listening to this has seen this movie now, but like the minute he says is like it does like the body doesn't need to be alive for him to dream walk into another universe. Like I just got the biggest smile on my face, and then you see the arm coming out in like classic um, Army of Darkness style um, out of the ground, and we see the corpse. Yeah, he uh, come almost alive. looks like that. He almost looks like he's going to be like his jaw is falling off. I I got a huge kick of him giving America a big a big like the big hero speech at the end with his whole his face sloughing off the his bones and just being like you gotta believe in yourself <laughs> yeah like because because that actual dialogue is pretty much rote or standard for these stories yes. at this point but the fact that it had uh, Dad Strange delivering it actually is what kind of made it work uh, in the moment uh, which I really appreciate and I really also love. I'm not going to pretend it looked the greatest, but the Cape of Demon Souls yeah. um, or Souls of the Damned, that is like such a great Raimi touch to it. Um, because uh, you see a little bit of that in the trailer too. And I thought this was going to be like the ultimate evil Doctor Strange you fight at the end. Uh, but no, it's like the actual her- heroic Doctor Strange being a corpse, uh, taking the Souls of the Damned, which is just a really metal touch and turning it into his cloak. Um, I really loved everything about that. I think I would say, I last- guess. Oh, go ahead and finish. I was just going to say the last 20 minutes, I just had a big dumb grin on my yeah. face from all that. Um, uh, I would say, I think character-wise, the thing they, the, the little through line they put in that I really liked is Christine mentioning that he always has to hold the knife. I think that's a good, quick distillation of his character. And that's, I guess, why he is the new Tony. Because mm-hmm. Tony's always that guy too. But I like I like that they, they do that and they, like... It, it's it's portrayed as not a positive or negative trait. It's just it's just a trait of his that can be held, like sometimes it's very useful and sometimes it's very destructive, and that's sort right. of like it, it it it's a quick dirty way of of really illustrating why their relationship didn't work and why he has why he's always getting it up into shit like the yeah he is yeah um I I was gonna say I think I have no problem with um. Christine's inclusion, I think Rachel McAdams does really well. They gave her something to do, yeah. Yeah. I just don't view that Christine and Strange relationship as like this undeniable OTP kind of love. Um, And I I actually liked what they did in the first Doctor Strange movie because once he gets his powers and comes back, he's like, do you think we ever could have worked out? And she's like, no. (laughs) Like, you just disappear on me all the time and are kind of a dick. And like, I thought that was kind of the end of it. Um, I didn't... And I, I don't love like necessarily how they used Rachel McAdams, which was just basic damsel stuff in that first mm-hmm. movie. Um, I but, think that's like, what it is in this one. They wanted to give her something to do. I don't. I'd be surprised if she really shows up again. Um, but yeah, I think I think they do a decent job of portraying it. It's like kind of an office romance, and like they are. Mm-hmm. Like I don't actually mind they don't have great chemistry. Like I I think that's something. Like obviously you want your if you're gonna like really push this kind of stuff in your movies. You want your romantic leads to have chemistry, but I actually think it works for the story that Rachel McAdams and Benedict don't have. Like, yeah. I don't say they don't have chemistry, but they don't have like crazy yeah. uh, Carrie Fisher, Harrison Ford, like romance, like, or Harrison Ford. They probably weren't doing as much cocaine on set. That's probably why. That's true. Yeah. But uh, like, uh, no, I, was, I, 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 say... I like that. Cause it makes it seem like they just, yeah, they weren't going to work out. Yeah. Um, I the my my critique is mostly is like I don't see them as having this like great multiverse spanning love where like in almost every universe they're together yeah, yeah. or like like that's kind of like like if you did that with uh, Peter Parker and MJ I'm like okay I can buy that and they actually kind of did it a little bit in um, No Way Home but for them it, it's just like okay that's fine I actually kind of like them like you say kind of not working together I think that 
works a little better. But I am glad they gave her something to do. And she's the one who is fighting off the souls of the dam the first time he tries to dreamwalk. And then he she's the one who has him uh, don the cloak of the demon souls or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, I mean, I do like that they gave her something more to do. Um, she was like head scientist of like Baxter Industries or something like that in Earth 838. That's the one we spent. I popped for that. I was like, yeah. Was, yeah, that's great. Um, and I'd be happy if she comes back because I think uh, the character of Christina is one of the night nurses, um, which is one of the characters that kind of just treats superheroes on the side when they can't go to a normal hospital. Um, Rosario Dawson was one in the Daredevil series as well. Uh, I, like if they brought her back in kind of that role, like that's totally fine for me. And I mean, if she comes back in any role or in Doctor Strange three, but I really feel like they ran the course with that character here. Yeah. Um, well, I think I think minor spoilers. I think we know who his love interest is going to be in the next movie. Yes, his actual comics OTP, which yeah. um, we'll get to shortly. Um, that's right, Professor X. <laughs> I mean, hey, I, I'd ship it. Um, so uh, I want to talk about two more characters in the Doctor Strange circle before we get to the Illuminati, which is maybe the main event of this podcast. <laughs> um, first is America Chavez, played by Sochi Gomez. Um, I, I I like her, um, both the character and the actress. I think she yeah. did everything in this movie pretty well. Um, I just kind of wish it didn't... I, I didn't love where it just kind of ended, um, like where they just kind of dumped her at Camertage because it kind of felt like they were saying, oh, she's like the one being that can just traverse universes or multiverses rather. And then uh, she's just like, oh, well, she's just going to be another wizard. Um, I, I assume I they're just think, putting her I think more it was they wanted... Later. I, I, I think they more wanted to help her control that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the idea. Because it is it is a kind of magic. So Wong would be someone who could... And I, I think I think also, yeah, I think the implication was that it's better if Wong teaches her than Dr. Strange because he's yeah, not yeah, a good yeah. teacher. But um, I think she's great. I Like, all her, like, jokes generally land and it doesn't feel like just standard MCU quippiness. There is I some did, of that in there. Yeah, a little but. bit. She's good, though. She was good as, like, a, ch- a child, you know being you know, mm-hmm. thrust into this insane situation. I, um, it's kind of like, I don't know how else to frame this. Cause I don't Marvel's wokeness in the last couple of years. This is like the funniest example of it. We're like, good, like good. Her parents, her, her you know, she has two mothers. Good. I, I, I love that. That's the, that like 45 second scene is what got them banned in all those countries. <laughs> like really? Just, yeah. just, just the, just the idea. Like, uh, gay people exist. Hey, you can't say that. <laughs> they, they exist, and then they like disappear. Unexplicably. Yeah, yeah, but I, but I love. No, I got you. Yeah, you, you think? Yeah, you think homophobic countries would love the idea of gay people being sucked into an alternate dimension? Um, but yeah, I love. I love that. That's like, that's the brave stand Marvel is taking. It's just being like, hey, look, it's a gay person. No. Yeah, I mean, this is the. Seventh, thank you, Mar- like- Thank you, Marvel, for <laughs> sacrificing. And this is like the seventh straight Marvel property with the first canonically gay characters. So yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love so much. Like, uh, maybe we'll talk about Moon Knight here at the end. I loved a lot that and this this is sarcastic loves, but I love that they went out of their way to be like, this is our first Arabic character in any Marvel movie. It's like you're four hundred movies into this now. <laughs> you really, it's not a good thing. Like at the at those point, you're posting your owls when you're saying this is the first when you have. Yeah. 28 movies plus well, have, what, like There six are more shows. Marvel movies than there are James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in like a fifth of the time it took. Yeah. And all like modern, like, yeah, yeah you know, Bond isn't woke, but half his movies were before 1980. Um, so, 
anyways, uh, with uh, uh, there was oh uh, one of the I don't know if it's clunky or I kind of actually enjoyed it, but there is one of the multiverses they jump to with America where uh, they basically run into the exposition store and you can like yeah. look at your memories. Yeah. And um, first of all, like those are killer free samples. If like you can just like sit outside the store and get like a brief memory, like that's really great. Um, I mean, I thought it was kind of funny, but it just like, oh, here's the exposition store. We're going to stop and buy some exposition now. Um, and we got it for both America and Doctor Strange. It's a little bit goofy, but I kind of kind yeah, of had fine. fun with it. Um, um, I like that alternate universe. It was weird that they, they kind of teased the jumping through. Like, there's a living tribunal is in there somewhere. There's mm-hmm. like the, I think the Savage Land. Is that supposed to be the Savage Land? There's you know, I, they, The dinosaurs are there and people have been referring to it as the Savage Land. So I, I'm willing to take that. The paint um, universe. And you can, they kind of, the setup of the movie kind of implies that they're going to be jumping around. And then they just kind of hang out in one universe for an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's fine. I think they looked cool. It looked kind of like the f- alternate universes in Fringe, which, I, which oh. I'm a fan of. Um, yeah. Just like, just, I, I like when people do alternate universe stuff and it's not just like, like indistinguishable from our reality could save money on sets. Um, I'm looking at you, the CW, but um, <laughs> uh, I, I liked that it. it was like strange. It was, it was a, it was a weird place. It was weird shit going on. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I would like to. Um, I'm sure it's probably somewhere on the internet. Like go through that little mon. There's like a minute where uh, Strange and America are like flying through various universes. Um, there was definitely like there was the paint universe. I think there was like a noirish looking universe. Yeah, um, Nicholas Nicholas Hage Spider Man was there. I imagine. Yeah. Um, so I, I like I would love to. Um, I think a lot of that is just like you know quote unquote Easter eggy. Like mm. here's a little thing. There was like an animated universe. I think right there was yeah. like them yeah. as drawings. Um, so like all that is you know pretty fun. Um, but yeah, it is ultimately takes place in like two maybe three universes, 2.5 maybe, if you count like wherever the multiverse nexus that the Book of Vishanti is in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's basically 616 and 838, which I think works um, for the story. Because um, one of the things with all these multiverse stories is like how to do the multiverse in not the same way. Um, and I'm specifically talking about like Spider-Man. Obviously, there's like movies yeah. like Everything, Everywhere, All at Once that are doing their own multiverses. But, um, you know, Spider-Man was like, okay, these other Spider-Man come into this universe. Um, this one is Doctor Strange essentially going to an adjacent universe um, with a basically the same things happen, but they were resolved in different ways. Like they took down Thanos with the Darkhold um, and then they had to get rid of that Doctor Strange because he was consumed by the Darkhold. But, and their version of the Avengers is the Illuminati, but it's still essentially kind of the Avengers of that universe. Yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if I a hundred percent like that. Um, so the last of the main cast I want to hit up is Wong played by Benedict Wong. Um, I, I think he's great. I think he's actually proven to be a little bit of a staple to the MCU now that he's kind of shows up wherever. I think he just loves that paycheck. Um, But he actually plays it well. Wong is one of the more, you know, kind of had a problematic history in the comics because he was the Asian manservant. But I think between the comics and specifically casting Benedict Wong and how they've used him as an equal and actual superior to Stephen Strange um, has been good for the character. Um, I like the running gag in this movie about how it's tradition to bow to the Sorcerer Supreme, who is still Wong. Um, if you don't recall from our No Way Home episode, he he got it on a technicality because, you know, Strange was split for five years. Um, any comments on Wong? It's great. I love that he... 
in a, in a weird way, he's kind of become the Poe Dameron of this thing. Where like, oh, that's a good call. I don't think they really know how to use him, but they just like him, so he just shows up. Yeah, it's just great. Did you need someone to do exposition? Benedict Wong's really good at that. Mm-hmm. Pray, pr- uh, pray, star Benedict Wong, as I refer to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he's great. He he just, just hangs out. I like uh, I, I like the the runner they keep doing where Doctor Strange is always one that gets paired with with uh, awkward teenagers when he's very bad at it. Whereas like Wong would probably be pretty good at that. Like imagining Wong doing anything in No Way Home, he'd just be like, he would just sit Peter down and be like, "Hey, don't do this." Sorry, I know it sucks, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with it for a couple of years. Okay, go home, and that'd be the end of the movie. <laughs> There'd be no movie, yeah. but because Doctor Strange is like, he sees the, the opportunity to do some weird magic. He's like, yeah, let's let's do it. Oh no, I fucked everything up because that movie is his fault. I, I don't know how else to say it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, he's done a lot of shit between like playing with time in his own movie, giving up the mm-hmm. time stone to Thanos, uh, fucking with reality for Peter Parker's college admissions. Um, he's just getting more and more unhinged with his bad decisions, which I think actually feeds into like the ending of this and even the stuff with uh, the post credit scene that we'll talk about. Mm. Um, but um, I, I like uh, Doctor Strange being a little unhinged and wacky. So uh, Wong kind of needs to be that straight man <laughs> uh, of the two of them. And honestly, if they gave Wong more to do in these strange films and actually had him along for more of uh, yeah. strange es- escapades, I'd be totally fine with that. Um, but I don't know if there's much else to say about him. Uh, he plays his role well. I like that um, they do that bowing uh, motif, but other than that, I don't know what else there is to really say about. Him, I like so. the five minutes where it's almost a buddy comedy with him and and Wanda. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, at uh, the Mount Wondegore, I guess we should mention that that was a thing I never expected would come to the big screen, at least not ten years ago. Um, just because there's a lot of fucked up Marvel canon with it and the high evolutionary and whatnot, so I just thought it'd be something they'd mention and never show. Um, and they stripped it down. It has nothing really to do with its comics counterpart, but that's like. One of those, oh, they got this far with what they're telling that they can just say Mount Wondegore and it'll happen. Um, and we do get like a weird animal bull man at Camartage. Yeah. Um, which, you know, more of the uh, in the comics, uh, the high evolutionary is a supervillain who created these kind of animal people. And I think one of those animal people named Bova raised the Scarlet Witch. Comics, everyone, comics. Um, one thing I kind of wish that they made a joke out of was they called uh, the, the new men. Isn't that what they're called? Yep, the new men. Yeah. Um, and you men. Um, yeah. So uh, what, uh, one of the bits I liked was uh, Benedict Wong um, saying, like, he knows all about the Darkhold because when they make you Sorcerer Supreme, you get ed- access to extra books. Um, when they go to Universe 838 and meet Mordo, um, he talks about, oh, we also know the Darkhold exists. And I was hoping Mordo was going to say, oh, because I'm Sorcerer Supreme here, I got to read that book. Um, that Sorcerer But no, it's because Doctor Strange went crazy in his universe, and that's how yeah. they all know about the Darkhold. Um, that was the one time I was hoping for more of a joke from Marvel. So um, I guess you can pin that. But I think at this point, we've talked for an hour about the movie. Let's, let's just get into the Illuminati, um, which makes it... I don't know if I even want to call it a debut. It's kind of more of a gag here in this movie. But what the Illuminati they're not, are... They're not going to show up again. Yeah, or at least not like this. No. Not this group of people in this sort of way. Well, I mean, considering two of the main Illuminati members are dead, I don't think they're going to yeah. be doing it. <laughs> um, so for anyone who's not familiar with the comics, the Illuminati in-universe and the Marvel 616 are basically like 
the secret cabal of superhero leaders. Um, so it's like Professor X, Black Bolt, Doctor Strange, Namor, Reed Richards, Tony Stark is in there. So we got a pretty good approximation of it here. And basically, they're the ones that kind of make decisions behind the scenes. They're almost like the the patriots of the Marvel <laughs> Universe. They, they like send the Hulk into space because they think he's too much of a threat. And that leads to Planet Hulk and World War That leads Hulk. to him invading the Earth and uh, basically beating the shit out of everybody on Earth at the same time. Because good idea. Yeah. They're the guys uh, who we- always make bad decisions. That's, that's the Illuminati. Yes. Um, so um, they're in it because they're the all comics. they're all the the one thing that unites all those characters. No, I guess not. Black, I guess Black Bolt a little bit, and maybe not Black Panther as much as the other ones. Uh, is that they all think that they, they are all they all think they are God. They yeah, all think or they, at they, least the smartest person around. Like yeah. no one is smarter than them. They all have God complexes, so they're all just mm-hmm. a bunch of dipshits. And that includes Professor X. He's not. He's not safe. In fact, he might have the worst one of all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to give you uh, an idea of just like how wild they get out there, um, uh, Jonathan Hickman did a new Avengers run, which was essentially just the Illuminati, Illuminati, but it went under the title New Avengers. And in that, Captain America was originally part of that. But as soon as the Illuminati wanted to do something that goes against Cap morals, they basically erased Cap's mind and kicked him out of the club. Um, not a fully erased his mind, but just made him forget about the Illuminati. So um, they they were never really viewed as completely a heroic group of people. No. Um, and I wanted to just give that context because in this uh, adaptation in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the Illuminati are not that. They are basically the 838 universe's version of the Avengers. Yeah, they're, they're uh, very heroic. Yes, they are viewed as essentially the Avengers would be in our timeline. So we'll go through the cast and we'll start with the one that kind of matters most for Doctor Strange. And that is Mordo, um, played by Chiwetel Elijah for. And he is the Sorcerer Supreme of this universe after they had to uh, kill that universe's Doctor Strange. And I thought this was a pretty clever way to bring in Elijah for for this movie. Um, at, when I saw the trailers, I assumed it would be the 616 um, Mordo that we saw that yep. at the end of Doctor Strange was like trying to kill all the wizards in the world. And I still think we're going to get that at some point. Um, but given the nature of this story, um, I'm... I'm pretty happy with the way that uh, he came back in. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's the only Illuminati member to not die. Uh, Doctor Strange kind of leaves him in a crevice. and Yeah, he's just, just hanging out. Uh, yeah. So um, what I assume Mordo will be back in Doctor Strange 3 or something. Who knows? Um, but I wonder if it we'll see this version of Mordo again because... He's not dead, but we have our own 616 Mordo still somewhere out there that I was expecting to show up in this movie or at least a post credits, and he never did. He's too busy uh, torturing Benjamin Bratt. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, we all kind of want to torture Benjamin Bratt. Really hated him in Clear and Present Danger. No, I actually didn't. He's fine in that. Um, but I guess like, I, I did me- like, I, I always like, this one of the few, I don't know if it was deliberate, but the fact that he. Doesn't he confront him at a basketball court? So it's like cosmic vengeance for that Catwoman, that scene in the Catwoman movie where they put oh, the basketball scene. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's strange that goes to Brett at uh, that's right. basketball. I think it's the garage that uh, more. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Um, but that, that's yeah. just what I think of when I think of him in that movie. So, yeah, cosmic vengeance for <laughs> being in the worst scene ever filmed. Oh, God. Um, so I think like the big main event, or at least the big quote unquote Easter egg or the spoiler that everyone was. You running from or hiding from or whatever um, was that we saw John Krasinski as Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. Um, he got pretty much the biggest 
like debut or like we're going to announce here is Reed Richards of the Fantastic Four. He got Charles like the Marvel vs. Capcom intro. <laughs> it very much did. The way that they were introducing everyone and their affiliation. Um, it was very it was very kind of hammy and out of someone lesser than Elijah or uh, she would tell Elijah for it would have probably sounded really terrible. Um, but just because he's such a good actor, I think it kind of came off. But it is very much like you can hear the character select screen saying these names to you. Yeah. Um, um I think it's kind of funny. Like, I'm sure he was interested in the paycheck, and I'm sure he was interested in, like, it's not a bad role. Reed Richards is a good role. But I, it is a little bit funny that we're, we're at the point with this experiment where basically the internet could just cast you in a movie. It's like, they, you have to do it or else people are going to be mad. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am, I'm ahead. sad that there's no way for them to have Jonathan Majors be him because that would just give it away. Oh, right, right, yeah. But, man, that would be good casting for Reed Richards. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Majors would be... Um, fantastic. He is going to be Kang. Uh, he is the the one who remains or something like that yeah. from the Loki series. Uh, yeah, I spoiler, actually, alert, spoiler alert. That's the same guy as Reed Richards. Um, or no, they're, they're related. They're related, they? yeah. But like yes. uh, the, the implication has always been that they if they, they are like he is like a he is like his timelines read. Like yeah. He's the same person. Uh, Nathaniel Richards, I think, is his yeah. name in the uh, comics. So I guess you could still uh, have him be. You could still have him be John Krasinski. You could still have him be Reed Richards's and yeah. our. Uh, uh, we could have Reed still be his ancestor, but I just think it work. It would work better. There's no real way to do it unless they put him in Oscar Isaac uh, apocalypse makeup. Which please see, don't. I, I think. Well, what the? Oh God, please don't. Um, I think what they might do. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about this a little later. But I wonder if they might switch it up in the classic MCU style and make like. Um, Kang related to Sue Storm or something. Yeah. So that way they can have Krasinski, but still not like you, you know what I'm getting at. But the funniest we'll, thing would be if, if Krasinski, it's not even Krasinski in, in the Fantastic Four movie. This is just a one-off casting to please fans. <laughs> I, I would love it. Not only please fans, but piss them off because all of these guys are going to get got um, so if they only cast him to kill him, I would actually like that move more. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, than- I, I am I am a pretty I am a pretty vocal and noted anti Reed Richards person. Like fuck him, he sucks. Yeah, that's my that's my opinion of Reed Richards. So I'm very happy that he got turned into a, a spaghetti man and his head blew up. I'm happy. I, yeah. I love seeing it. He deserves yeah, Reed Richards. It. He deserves not- it for for not being the smartest man on. He does the stupidest thing in the movie, which we can talk about. <laughs> In a uh, but yeah, no, I Reed Richards is definitely more of in the middle characters because he caused he's almost like Tony Stark has been in the MCU where half yes. the things he does ends up breaking shit rather than fixing stuff. And I am totally fine if they don't go with Krasinski. I'm, I know they will. Um, yeah, because the thing with Krasinski um, as an actor is that he's so much of a baby face that I, I don't know if they would do the actual like maniacal Reed Richards, like not full villain, but just like the morally gray one. I'm not sure. They he's need my to first be choice for that. the thing that makes it work is that Doctor Doom is not entirely wrong, right? In fact, he may be correct more often than Reed is. That's that needs to be important. That that needs to be the thing with with that. I I have faith that they'll do him. They'll do Doctor Doom correctly, and yeah, by that I mean they'll cast Matt Mickelson. Oh, I was going to say uh, they they should cast Rain Wilson, so it could just be uh, <laughs> Jim and Dwight from The Office. Um, actually, that might not be the worst choice because I've seen some pretty bad Doctor Doom castings out there. But um, I think Mads Mikkelsen's like absolutely as good as it gets for that. 
Uh, what I had one more thing to say. Oh, I did like that uh, Reed Richards had a beard, which is kind of a more modern development. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the Russell Dodderman art that's uh, going with like the Dan Slott comics from... Oh, his, at least I think was, his costume looked good. It, was, it, was, it looked good. I liked it. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know if there's anything else to say. We'll talk a little bit about the Fantastic Four overall uh, at the end here. Um, but real quick, running down the rest of the Illuminati, uh, we have Lashana Lynch as Captain Marvel. Um, she played Maria Rambo in the Captain Marvel film. Uh, Maria Rambo isn't much of a comics character, but her son, Monica Rambo, who was in WandaVision, um, was Captain Marvel. She was actually Captain Marvel long before Carol Danvers. So kind of having Lashana Lynch here as Captain Marvel is at least a nice Easter egg to that. Um, and she is wearing the Kree outfit, uh, Captain Marvel outfit. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, yeah, I, I think this, with this one and the next character, I feel like it's almost sort of a, um, just a way to give these actors one more, one more go. Because, yeah, both were in prequels that basically have their characters run their main course. I know Haley Atwell was, like, aged up for various appearances in Winter Soldier and stuff, but, like, she's not much of a character. And that, yeah, gets us to our next character, Captain Carter, Haley Atwell. Um, they call her the first Avenger. Um, which, you know, and they get the first Avenger music or the needle drop uh, as well in this moment. And she's great. I like Kaylee Atwell quite a lot, uh, mostly because I think she's super hot. Um, and yes, also because correct. I like the cat films more than I like most of the other Marvel movies. Um, and she is a part of that. So I'm glad that well, she got to do it's, some. It's a little, I, I don't know how I feel about um, just her in the 10 minutes she's on screen feels much more like Captain America than, than Falcon did at any point. Yeah. I, I, I would, mean, I would I, take. I know that's part of the show, but I don't know how that. Like, I did not get that same feeling. If, imagine if they played the first Avenger music when he shows up in his dumb costume in that show. <laughs> oh God! No, get out yeah. of here. Um, I, 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 I'm kind of ambivalent. I have like I like Sam Wilson's cap in the comics at points. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of ambivalent to the Anthony Mackie cap. Because I don't look. like. I'm Anthony sure it'll Mackie. be fine. Yeah. But um, I, I actually like Kaylee Atwell as Captain Carter. Like, if she like was somehow brought into the future and picked up the shield, I would buy that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll move on to the character everyone was screaming about. Um, everyone wanted back. Everyone wanted to see in <laughs> this version of the Marvel mu- uh, Marvel movies, and that of course is Anson Mount as Black Bolt. Black Arrow um, Boltagon, you mean? Blackagar Boltagon, best name in comics. Um, he was from that failed ABC Inhuman show, but I do like that they brought him back. Um, I watched one episode of that, and it was it's bad. not good. Yeah, it's not good. But he's fine. Like, and I'm, you know, I'm fine with him coming back, getting to do something with that role. He got to be in the actual full-on comics outfit, um, which we never really got. I don't think he had the hood. Um, I didn't watch the end of Inhumans, but I think they got them into suits by the end, and um, his was just like a big zip up, uh, not yeah, the yeah. full comics costume. So yeah, it's he cool. like he's going. I've seen the picture. He looks like he's going paintballing. Um, yeah, yeah I, I like that they are doing more comic accurate suits lately, and they all look good. Weird. Mm-hmm. That most Weird, but well, good. okay. The uh, we just mentioned the uh, the the Falcon one did not look good. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the, the head shape is just completely off. Um, but, uh, one thing I do like, so, uh, those who aren't familiar with Black Bolt as a character, um, his voice can literally level mountains. Like even a whisper can literally kill people. Um, which we see here, um, when we get the flashback to Dr. Strange of earth three, eight, three, eight, which is on Titan where they fought Thanos in the our infinity. Cameo appearance by Thanos big juicy ass. Oh Yeah. 
Um, and basically, after they killed Thanos, they had to deal with Strange, who was, you know, corrupted by the Darkhold. So they basically have Black Bolt whisper, I'm sorry to him. Um, and that blows away that Doctor Strange, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then he also uh, gets a gnarly death, but we'll run down the deaths here right after. It does. Um, it does. It does bring up the interesting question: If the Civil War stuff hadn't happened in this universe, and Thanos just showed up, would that have also happened with the normal event? Would the six with the six six Avengers have just killed him straight up? I don't think so, because yeah. I still don't think they were strong enough. Yeah. No. That's that's an interesting point. Thor. It would be the main three guys, and then like, like Spider Man was around. I guess who else would have been there? Um, not not characters as powerful as uh, Black Bolt and 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 Professor yeah, X. We'll say that. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and well, might as well just hop over to Professor X, who's uh, shown here uh, sitting in his classic X Men '92 cartoon yellow chair. Um, and we actually get the X Men '92 theme song, Needle Drop, which you know my cynical mind is, oh yeah, there's a new X Men cartoon coming to Disney Plus, and this is definitely a way to start stoking those flames but it is always great to see patrick stewart um it's in probably any role. the best way to bring him back because he did say he was done after logan which he should have been but this yes. is this is technically a different version of the character and this is just like a short little thing yeah i will say yeah i will say i was sad it made me sad that tim Raimi didn't do an x-men movie because he did the animated series like they did this when he when he uses his powers they did like the echolocation thing i love it it mm-hmm. looked cool yeah, it's, um, it looks much also, better than how he looks in all the the, the Fox X Men movies, where he just puts his hand up to his forehead like I a dick. I hate that. I hate that so much. Um, but anyways, uh, in this movie, Professor X does try to take on Wanda, and they basically go to the astral plane. But it's almost like the construct from the Matrix, more or yeah. less. It's just like a big. It white looked cool. Space. It looked, again, it looked cooler than it did in those the other X Men movies. Yeah, and uh, he finds uh, Earth eight three eight Wanda's, which. Uh, our bad evil Scarlet Witch is possessing and she's buried under rubble like she was in Sokovia. Um, so um, that's all cool. And Professor X tries to pull her out from it. But then the actual like evil cloud that is the Scarlet Witch shows up and uh, basically kills him in his mind. And then he dies, you know, in Earth you're dying, you're dying in real life. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and we see him kind of like his neck get all twisted and break in that chair in Earth 3-8, which is cool. I don't think anyone will get this, but he died because he didn't understand that in the Matrix, Cash is king. Uh, <laughs> our like five friends who follow Twitter's good boy will understand that one. Uh, but I want to. I think the best part about all of this is that they just fucking killed them off. Like yeah. That it was like perfect to me. And they... Um, how they killed them off is pretty gnarly across the board. They basically shredded Reed Richards, turned him into spaghetti. Um, Xavier, we talked about, he was broken, um, like in the astral plane, and then we see his neck break in the real world. Wanda makes uh, Black Bolt's mouth disappear, um, and then when he speaks, he just blows off his own head, which is really cool. Um, the two women of the team, they actually put up the actual fight against Wanda, mm-hmm. um, that being Captain Carter and uh, Captain Marvel. Um, Captain Marvel eventually gets crushed by a statue that falls over. I didn't look yeah, at I the Yeah, I didn't statu- see. That's kind of the lamest death, though. Like, the same yeah. thing. Like, the reason Wanda's not dead. Like, any superhero gets killed by rubble is like, really? It's Yeah. Um, I think uh, Captain Carter had my favorite death of the two. She got um, Dark Mole. Uh, yeah, she got cut in half by uh, her own shield, which is really cool. Um, but also, that's the way they shot it because, you know, this is not a super gory movie. Uh, what's it called? 
basically the shield goes through her and then the camera kind of sticks with her upper half as it tilts over and falls off of her lower half. Um, really cool, really fun way to kill off that character. Um, and I just like the choice overall. It's like, we're going to give you, oh my God, it's the Illuminati. It's John Krasinski as Reed Richards and Charles Xavier's back with Patrick Stewart. And then they just murk them all. Um, and it does, you know, it kind of shows us how powerful Wanda is too. So it serves a purpose in that regard yeah. as well. Reed, Reed should have, he fucked up by not calling his son in to fight for him. That would have been an interesting fight. Oh, oh, oh I'm glad they, you mentioned that though. But yeah, um, they do reference, he references that he has kids and we know who his kids are. Yes. Um, so I, I guess we're kind of getting to the end of the episode. And the last thing I want to talk about is like kind of what comes next for Wanda, Dr. Strange. But the first one I want to talk about is the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Um, because uh, as you mentioned, the kids, one thing I think whatever the next version of the Fantastic Four does is that it should have uh, Franklin and Valeria Richards already there. Or at least uh, Franklin there and then Valeria yeah. Um, should be at least a baby because her godfather being Dr. Doom is really cool. Um, I think they might not do Dr. Doom right away. So I do think that connection is something that, you know, I want to see them play up. But uh, Fantastic Four, any thoughts about that? Whether it's fan casting anyone else, including possibly Reed Richards. Um, I know I mean, it's going to be I, Krasinski, but the obvious fan casting is Emily Blunt and it should be fine. Um, what I'm interested in is, I guess, so the rumor was for a while that John Watts left the project because John Krasinski is going to direct. But I was just reading that Bryce Dallas Howard may direct. And maybe Bryce Dallas Howard could be Sue Storm. That'd be interesting. Oh, that's great. I bet she wouldn't. I don't. She doesn't seem like the type who would want to direct herself. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, and she's like her episodes in The Mandalorian, which I've seen, have been like some of the better Mandalorian episodes. And I think she did the one Mando episode in um book of boba fett as well i think that was her directing that um, i do so think I, I think it's weird that people are focusing as so much on the mr fantastic casting as though like he's the main character of the fantastic four it's like he is not like that's not yeah um, like, it is I, it is it, a that is an ensemble that, that yes. is the marvel ensemble yeah because maybe in the fact it's it's um of 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 the characters of the Fantastic Four, it's more often the Thing and uh, the Human Torch that are ones that are brought into other teams or other people's stories. Mm. Um, so, uh, one thing I was thinking, like, I'm not someone who's been calling for John Krasinski to be Reed Richards. What I do think is the upside is I... I actually kind of like him as a director. Like I really like yeah. the quiet place. So like that. And I think Emily Blunt is legitimately good. So him bringing her, like those would be the two reasons I'd want Krasinski, even though he's not really my Reed Richards pick. I don't know who else I think of for Reed Richards. Um, all the people I'd mention. I remember would be seeing John, Jonathan Groff was thrown around. He'd be good. Uh, like, just... it, like 10 years ago or no, 20 years ago, I would have loved like Denzel as fucking Reed Richards or something. Um, I mean, Yon Griffith was was good. Like he was good casting. It's just it, I don't think they're going to do him again. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, so I, I don't know if you have anyone else you think could be Sue or Johnny or the thing. The thing these ben are not Red. like. It's I don't know how to describe it. These are not like the most complicated characters to really, at least for the first movie, they wouldn't be that hard to do. It's not as hard as like casting Moon Knight per se. Right, right. So I don't really have like specific. Yeah, I, I'm sure that I mean the casting. They always cast well. That's the thing. I yeah, there's once never been. Uh, the other problem is they've also cast so much of Hollywood that it's hard to think of actors who haven't uh, shown up in the Marvel universe at some. Which level. is yeah, which is why I get upset when they when they use like Wood Harris as like cop number two in Ant Man. Like, oh come on, you can't use Wood Harris for better than that. 
Yeah, I mean, come on. He did so well in uh, The Wire. Like, you could definitely do uh, Avon Barksdale, right? That was his name? Yes, he was Avon. Um, He's in so, Remember the Titans. Wood, Wood Harris is great. He's in a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, but it's like yeah. it's like you can't get, like, you can't get anyone who was in, you can't even get, like, uh, Jon Snow himself. Like, uh, he's already been used. So, like, what are we, what are we doing? Who's, who's, who's yeah. left? Um, I know some people have talked about um, Jamie Lannister, Nikolai Koster-Waldau as Doom, um, sure. just because he's from that part of Europe, uh, you know, fake part of Europe for Doctor Doom, but kind of feels that kind of Danish or yeah, European, yeah, 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 like, yeah, Latvia yeah. is yeah, definitely. Um, so I'm trying to think if there's anyone else I've heard mentioned as oh, uh, the uh, Doom one casting of my pro- is much more important <laughs> um, because he's so, Doctor Doom. Yes, and. Um, oh, the one I heard for uh, Reed Richards that I kind of liked was Dev Patel, um, and that maybe gets yeah. you closer to the connection to Jonathan Majors. I think that's a lot easier to play off um, than just a black guy and a white guy. Yeah. Um, and Dev Patel's just good. Uh, you can put him in anything. I think with Johnny, you want to go younger, I guess. Um, well, he's yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's the kid brother, so yeah. Yeah. And uh, the thing you can kind of do whoever, I kind of want to make sure it's a Jewish guy just because I love Ben Grimm in a yarmulke. Um, but other, th- other than that, I don't, because he's going to be mostly a CG character. You could get like, I know Jason Momoa is not Jewish, but like he would be like someone you could do. I mean, Dave Bautista would have been a good choice if he wasn't already Drax. Yeah. Um, ah, he'd, be think- perfect. he'd be great. He'd be great. But Ben, uh, you don't need like John Cena, maybe. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if John Cena has the warmth for it, though. He's kind of a cold. Yeah, it hero. has to be. I mean, I, I don't want The Rock or anything, but I think going to the professional wrestling well, if you can find a good one, could be a great fit for that one. Um, and then give the thing some more physical stuff to do. CM Punk as Dr. Doom. <laughs> uh, John Hamm, maybe. I mean, he's a little too old for Reed Richards, I, but he could have been a good Reed Richards. Uh, uh, John Hamm would be a great Dr. Doom, but I don't know about what his accent would be. Yeah, oh, oh um, oof. <laughs> I, I mean, he could do it. John's a great actor, but it is weird he hasn't been in the MCU yet. Like, who, yeah, you need, you need, you need someone with a true, like, you really need someone with real, like, it has to be someone with insane screen presence. Yeah, like I think Mads Mikkelsen's is a good choice. Mads is, yeah, Mads I think is the number one. So um, Vigo Mortensen, and <laughs> that not bad, not bad. Um, I was thinking so. I think the Fantastic Four movie is not going to go with the do- with Doom oh, right uh, away. Oh, Fassbender might be the only other. Really. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, if they're not trying to bring him back as Magneto, yeah. which is also fine. Um, so I think they're going to tr- go not do Doom in this, whatever this first Fantastic Four movie is. I've heard rumors of Mole Man, who is the first Fantastic Four villain, which would be kind of a fun one to do. Um, one one of my favorite Marvel comics, it's technically a graphic novel, is Doom and Strange, uh, Torment and Triumph. Um, and it's basically Doctor Doom going to Doctor Strange and like help me get to the gates of hell so I could bargain for uh, my mother's life because uh, Mephisto has her from you know Marvel continuity stuff. And it's just a great ninety-page graphic novel. And if you do something with Doom, you can instead of having him have to be opposite the Fantastic Four, you can kind of bring him in opposite Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. And one of my things about Wanda is. I think because in WandaVision, they talked about her being this like nexus being, this like one being that exists across multiple realities and stuff. Like, yeah. And like with all the 
what souls of the dam stuff at the end of this movie. I like the idea that Wanda was actually taken down to hell and maybe she's being, you know, held by Mephisto or something like that. And while Dr. Doom is doing his thing with his mom, perhaps strange is trying to save Wanda or perhaps Dr. Doom knows that Wanda has the power he needs to bring back his mom to life. It's the important thing. People who are familiar with Dr. Doom, it's weird that he's not been in it yet. Cause he, I think, I am a Doctor Doom stan. That's who I am a stan of. Doctor Doom is yeah, one great. of the best comic book characters in in uh, ever created, maybe the best. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Doctor Doom. That's the thing. Uh, he is Reed Richards' rival, but Doctor, but he does not consider Reed Richards' his rival because his rival is literally Satan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the yeah. only. That's the only being that exists that's 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 good enough to, for Doom to consider a rival is is lucifer himself <laughs> yeah so i i feel like that would be most a, a lot of doom stories are i'm going to beat the shit out of the devil because he's dr doom okay. uh, that's the best the, thing uh, I, I hope i almost hope they don't go as far to like rationalize a lot of the shit he does it, because the big thing with dr doom is always it's 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 almost like batman where it's just like how do they do that oh he's dr doom that's all that matters mm-hmm. doesn't matter what it like oh of course he had 500 c- contingency plans for this because he's dr doom yeah, you don't well, need to A, B, and C all of his plans. You can literally just, oh, yeah, he, he he's both a crazy wizard and also an amazing scientist. So, like, he is basically stark and strange combined as one character um, and also, like, the ruler of a kingdom. He's like T'Challa in that sense as well. So um, the other thing I— He is the single most powerful, like, normal character, like— Mm-hmm. Not like in, in 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 the way that people think of like power in these movies of like he can shoot the most lasers. I mean, he has like he wields the most influence and power of any major human character in in Marvel. I feel like yes, yes, I absolutely agree. And those are the characters you should be going for. I don't, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm glad they put the Living Tribunal in this. They need to stay away from having because how many of those characters are there? Like, there's the Living Tribunal, Chaos and Order, like. The guard, like all those cosmic beings that the comic Thanos like took all the yeah, the in betweener, yeah. the Beyonder, and we'll, yes. we might get the Beyonder because of you know if they built to a Secret Wars. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe Beyonder. I feel is is a little goofier. I don't know. Yeah, more of a character, well, I guess. So um, I'm going to ask you not to shoot me on this because I know everyone is tired of Tony Stark. But one run I really loved was the Invincible Iron Man. Or no, the infamous Iron Man, which was actually Doctor Doom uh, trying to be a good guy after um, Tony Stark had died in the Marvel canon. This was about six or seven years ago. Uh, Tony Stark's back, of course. But um, basically, there was a hole, and Doctor Doom kind of had a brief face turn of sorts. Um, and it was basically he he wore like Iron Manish armor, but it still had like the three dots. Um, that kind of is like the, his cloak clasp, and then he wore his full yeah. green cloak and clasp. I feel like that's a way where you can almost introduce um, Doctor Doom as someone who was trying to fill in. Oh, like Tony Stark's dead, I can be the new Iron Man, and then he just goes batshit, or you know, has his own agenda or whatever. So that could be well, a Doom very- does not go batshit. Yeah, no, he's always in control. Um, but Doom, I just Doom like- is very re- he's very justified. Maybe the reason I stand him is because he's. He he fulfills he fulfills my wish of what if someone, what if someone treated uh, Reed Richards as he should be treated because he's a frog fucker who eats piles of ants. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck um, Reed Richards, man. I hate him. I, I just really like that run by Michael Bendis, and because Iron Man is such a big presence in this version of the story, like actually having someone try to fill those shoes and just go a completely opposite way, like that could be a way to soft launch Doom. Yeah, um, if yeah. they wanted to. So. 
Um, I kind of hope he just shows up as the leader of like the same way Black Panther did. Where they're just mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, this country exists. Okay. Which is fine. No no one cares. No one cares where Latveria was when the Westfold burned or whatever. <laughs> um, so last thing here. Plus, um, that, that, plus that, that's a perfect, like that. they don't have to do the eternal thing of jumping through hoops to try and explain why they weren't helping with Thanos. He can just be like, I didn't want to. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did um, not concern Doom, is what he would say. Or, then, or some like I, what's it called? I knew what was coming, and I invented this shield that made sure no yeah. matter what, I didn't get snapped. Like, sure, that's fine. It's Doom. I get it. He he would do that. He would know somehow, and he would be able to stop it. Or he went down into the quantum realm, like he was hanging out, having beers with uh, Scott Lang, uh, waiting. Yeah, for Yeah, he just him. went there. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, how's <laughs> yeah, it going? Just passing through. I check in every Wednesday. They could they could just have they could have maybe Thanos shows up and Doom beats his ass as he would. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As he has, he has. He has killed Thanos yes. before. Uh, ah. Doom love is Doom. great. We love Doom. Uh, so uh, the, we'll talk about the post-credit scenes now. Uh, the mm. main one is really um, the appearance of Clea, uh, played by Charlize Theron. It kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, I actually kind of like how this movie ends generally. Um, so before the initial cut to credits, you know, you think everything's good, the world is saved, and then all of a sudden Doctor Strange has like a fit on the sidewalk and a third eye emerges from his forehead, which is a sign that the Darkhold has taken him from earlier in the story, and then it cuts to credits, so it's kind of got like that horror movie ending where, you know, you think the threat's over, but oh no, it's yeah. still alive. Yep. Um, and then they come back uh, after the mid credit scene, and it's basically Strange at some other point just walking so we're like oh whatever happened he must be okay and then out of nowhere like Clea Charlize Theron like cuts a cuts the fabric of reality and steps in and says hey Doctor Strange you fucked up the multiverse do you want to go fix it and then he just like opens his third eye like on command is like yeah of course I'm fucking Doctor Strange and then they both just jump in and that's it um I think the big obviously takeaway here I thought I thought thought her costume looked great yeah it was like purple it was you know skin tight obviously Charlize Theron you know looks great in that um she's got that face makeup and almost like a 70s style haircut it's almost yeah, David Bowie-esque yeah. um so it's a really really good look um and then they just kind of go off on an adventure and I'm really excited to see the two of them in whatever comes next for Doctor Strange I'm wondering if um so did his car did say maybe his car show up in this because Bruce Campbell did of course oh um I I listened to a podcast that might have said something about it, but I don't I don't remember if it actually made it. Like I know he, they filmed it. I can't remember if it actually made it into um, what's it called the actual final cut of the film. Um, but we should talk about Bruce Campbell though, yeah. um, who gets a fun cameo. Uh, basically, just he's selling what like pizza dogs or something like that. Pizza, pizza balls, ro- yeah, pizza rolls or something. Or pizza balls, I think that's what it was. Pizza pops, the, maybe. Yeah. he was the pizza papa. So yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's it called? Doctor Strange, basically, to get him to stop annoying him, has him like punch himself for a full week. And then the it's final like three credit- weeks. Yeah. Yo, three weeks. And then uh, the end credit scene is just picking up with him, uh, still punching, Bruce Campbell still punching himself. And then it finally, he stops punching himself. And then he says, it's over, cut to black. You know, he looks Marvel directly into the camera. Yeah. Yes. Uh, very Sam Raimi, glad Bruce Campbell, you know, got to show up again. Uh, I thought it was all very, very fun. And I'm glad Raimi gets to keep his guy and stuff. I mean, listen, it's a package deal. Yeah, I, I, it, it was a little bit of an Evil Dead thing, too. Like Bruce Campbell beating the shit out of himself. That's an oh, Evil yeah, Dead, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. no, um, if Sam Raimi's doing stuff, uh, Bruce Campbell and Danny Elfman should be there. I think that 
that all should come together. And I mean, his, Bruce, uh, Bruce has more or less said he's going to keep doing this and everything Sam does until one of them dies. Yeah. And I think Sam said that the first thing he does is call Bruce <laughs> whenever he gets a new gig or a new job. So um, really love that. I love both of those guys. So I'm glad. We um, love Bruce Campbell, folks. Yes. He's the best. My favorite Bruce Campbell thing is, is speaking of the Dark Man. I'm going to mention Dark Man one more time because I love it. It's a wonderful, strange movie. I love that apparently a good, almost a third of Liam Neeson's lines in that movie had to be ADR'd because of the weird makeup they had. He couldn't hear right, some right. of it. And all the ADR was not, none of the ADR was done by Liam Neeson. It was all Bruce Campbell doing a Liam Neeson impression, which is incredible. That, that, so anytime he's like, anytime that. he's like, Julie, it's Bruce Campbell. Um, he also dubbed, he also dubbed the, uh, the edited versions which is just the funniest thing. The the video oh, of Bruce Campbell funny. talking about that is very funny. My my I guess my my final take on it, uh, as 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 I always do whenever I see Bruce Campbell on something and I go back and watch parts of Army of Darkness or watch whatever else he's you know Evil Dead Two, my reaction is always how is Bruce Campbell not the biggest movie star in the history of the world? Yeah, he's super cool, um, and he's, he's been in these great movies. Um, looks he looked great, super handsome. Like very funny, very charismatic, can do all this stuff. Like it really does not make sense that this guy was doing movies in the eighties and he wasn't immediately slapped onto the biggest property imaginable. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I it's, it's a little bit. It's the same that... idea as like the reason we didn't get an Uncharted movie in like two thousand ten is because the studios were like, mm, we don't know about this Nathan Fillion guy. Like, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> really? How how could you not? Especially at that point. Yeah. Oh, we don't know about this super handsome, charismatic guy who looks, he's like six foot two. Oh, man. Also, you know, uh, it's weird. It's weird. It's, it's, it's a proof that that's, it's gotta really be shitty to be, to, to, to not be a white man in Hollywood if fucking Bruce Campbell and Nathan Fillion are getting roles. Like, look at these guys. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Great um, industry but, we've got. Yeah, it kind of sucks. And in no small part because of what Disney's doing with its Marvel and Star Wars properties. That's true. But I love I love people still getting mad at Scorsese years on. Did you, like they won't even. Did you see the shit Elizabeth or Liz Olson said like the other week? Oh, about how she's not getting other roles or whatever. No, not just that, but like, like uh, when she was on a talk show like last week, she was like, "Oh, I stopped watching the premieres of these because every time I see a premiere, I'm like, oh, that movie sucks. It's going to be a flop." She says she said, she says she said that about every single one she's been in. It's like that's. Much that's a much shittier thing to say about these movies than anything Martin Scorsese said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Um, Just be like, oh, they're like, not real movies; they are all they're all bad. But the fans don't care about that because she's she's part of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, very man. weird, very weird situation. Yeah, she's having a weird few few weeks. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. Um, she had a quote today about. Um, What's it called? She's missed out on other roles because of her commitment to Marvel. And it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, but also like you're getting paid millions. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like I, I, I understand that you as an actor have artistic desires to be in kind of more meaningful stuff. And Marvel movies are not that specifically um, as popular as they are and as good as they are. Cause you know, you've heard me, I think they're mostly good. Um, it's kind of, I, it, it's hard to feel sympathy for that. You know, um, and you know, some of it's also, I like, I don't feel bad for her, but it's not like it's her fault. Like this is the industry. The industry has been subsumed yeah. by Disney. And that's why like Ethan Hawke and Oscar Isaac, who really were trying to avoid getting sucked into the Marvel machine, they, they even did too. Um, and thankfully they got to work on a project that was actually interesting. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but, despite all its its production uh, flaws, which at this point are just standard. they just are choosing to make these things look like shit because it's cheaper. Like they are both good in Moon Knight. That's 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 the takeaway from Moon Knight is both those are both two those are two very good actors. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's all I got. Do you got anything else yeah. you want to say about this movie? It's pretty good. I liked it. It's pretty good. Uh, what I'll say is I don't. It think may this be is- more. It may be more of a collection. I saw somebody refer to it as it is just kind of a, a normal rote iron like a MCU thrill ride, like a roller coaster. And every twenty minutes, something really cool happens, and that's kind of what I feel like it is. Like it's it's a normal MCU movie, and then has little little bits of like cooler things coming cutting through it, mm-hmm. which makes it stand gonna- out to me. Yeah, it makes it one of the better ones in a while. I was gonna say it is definitely my favorite post End Game. And I know like Spider-Man had some sentimental value. I thought it was really cool to see those guys all together. But at the same time, if I want to get that dopamine hit, I can watch like the last hour of that movie and be yeah, fine. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure how good of a movie that really is. Yeah. Yeah. It was more like I have feelings about some of the stuff that's happening. Whereas I recognize I the actually, things that are on screen. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I can actually see myself rewatching more than most other Marvel movies just because it's fun. And like you said, every 20 minutes is a cool set piece or something uh, worthwhile because it's also under two hours, which is fantastic. It yeah. was an hour 57. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. This one's quick. It's very light. It doesn't ask you to think too hard, but it's also super cool and gnarly and violent in the Marvel way. I'm not saying it's object, you know, absolutely those things, but relative to what Marvel does, I think it's it's a good change of pace, and it's definitely one of the ones I see myself rewatching more than other films. Yeah. So that's Mission Complete for this episode. Our frequency is podcastsoundsfrontiers at gmail.com and at podsandsfront on Twitter and Instagram. You can support Podcast Sounds Frontiers and all my other projects at patreon.com slash manuclearbomb, which, Manuclear Bomb, hey, that's me, I've been Manu. You can find me covering The Lord of the Rings over at my brother, my captain, my podcast. Uh, bye. I thought you used your sling ring and portaled away and just decided to ghost. But shout out to our sound editor, Stephen Boyd, a.k.a. DJ Empirical. Please remember to like, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast application. So until next time, remember, in the grand calculus of the multiverse, your sacrifice means more than your death.